Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. All right, get your Bibles open to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 27. And uh, the, the location is right up there on the screens. And uh, I'll give you a second to find that. While you're locating that, just to let you know, I've started a brand new series on Wednesdays at, on my Tim at 12, and it's called The Elijah Anointing. And it, it's about the, the, the faith and fire of the anointing of Elijah, which I believe we, I want in my life. Uh, this week, I'm talking about what's called supernatural provision. It's where God provides where there really is no other way for provision. I'm going to be talking about that through the Elijah anointing on Tim at 12 this Wednesday at noon on the City Life app, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere else. Uh, also, uh, I just have not only started the new series on the Elijah anointing, but I'm starting today a three-part series, a brand new series in here on Sundays called The Greatest Reset. Now, I, I want you to hear this because no matter what you're going through, God is present, God is active, and God has not abandoned you. He's not. And, and the miracles, there are some miracles that we see in the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus that I've taken a lot of time to just to dive into and examine. And, and I'm going to share some of this with you over these next few days because uh, it lets you know that wherever you are, whatever's going on, God is fully in control. And, uh, and, and know this, know this, God is the one who's writing the script for your life. And so uh, over the past three years, I've noticed that in our culture, there are a lot of people who's referred to, uh, they've referred to COVID as the great reset. How many of you guys have heard that? This is the great reset. Oh, I don't think it's a great reset, but I'm not done talking about that. But, I, but instead, I'm going to beat that one with something called the greatest reset. And that's the title of this series that we're in. Because 2,000 years ago, Something was initiated, something happened in Jerusalem, and it was at the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, which is the greatest reset history has ever seen. And it reshaped our world, and it reshapes our lives as well. That's why we actually give out those bags. That's why we do the gospel. That's why we do church in the first place. And I want you to get this truth into your life right here. God wants to work a reset in your life. Now, I don't know what that looks like specifically for you, but I believe God wants to do that. And to find that out, we're going back to the story of Jesus' crucifixion and his resurrection. And I think when you begin to understand some of the elements surrounding his crucifixion and his resurrection uh, and begin to apply them to your lives, I believe that there can be a reset in your life. If you're struggling, these messages for you. If you're weary, these messages are for you. If you don't know Jesus, these messages are for you. If you're discontented with where you are right now, these messages are for you today, uh, next Sunday, and the following week. So the first message in this three-part series, I have entitled The Darkness. Now, as I was giving it this title, I thought, you know, I like to have kind of uh, kind of like like positive titles for my messages and 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 I couldn't come up with a positive the title for this message because it is what it is the darkness is what it and there's nothing like 
groping around in the darkness when you can't see anything, trying to, trying to find your way. I mean, how many of you have stubbed your toe or tripped over something in the darkness? I mean, that, that's me. I, I, I do that because I was like, I know where I'm going. I'm walking, I'm walking through my house. Bam, slam. You know, those, th- those things happen. But I'm really talking about something more than that because I'm, I'm talking also about dark days, dark valleys. And we, in this life, we are going to walk through some dark days. We're going to walk through some dark valleys as well. So how do you endure and how do you overcome the darkness? Well, I think there's something that we can glean from, uh, from, these, from this three hours of supernatural darkness that I'm going to be talking about today. Glean something from this of when Jesus was hanging on the cross. Now, before we get into that scripture, I just want to let you know, darkness can really trip you up in a lot of ways. Seven years ago, I, I, I did something that, that, that really taught me a, a several lessons, but I had just arrived here at the City Life building, and it was about 6 a.m. At that time, I was leading a, uh, a men's discipleship group here in our building early in the morning, and, and uh, as, just like with any group, if you're a group leader, you understand this. I like to, to get in and kind of prepare the atmosphere, make sure my heart's ready and everything. So I would usually be here about an hour before the rest of the guys arrived, make sure I had plenty of coffee. And, and, and so I was coming in. It was about 6. It was totally dark outside, totally dark. And, and at that time, there were uh, some of the lights out in front of our building weren't working. So the front of our building was very, very dark. So I was coming off the parking lot here, and I, and I know my way around. I mean, come on, this is where I am every day. And I took kind of a little flying leap off of, uh, off of that parking lot next door and onto the sidewalk, which runs all along the front of the City Life building here, that, that sidewalk that's right against the building. And I just jumped down onto that sidewalk, and I just had my head up looking, you know, looking out to see where I was going. But I was looking out, and I didn't look down. And there was a man who was sleeping on the ground just right outside. In fact, just like right outside that window right over there. He was sleeping, wrapped up in a black blanket. I did not see the man. And, and as, I, as I was going, I felt all, it's, it all is slow motion. You know, these, these kind of crazy moments. You know how everything just goes, you're just walking along, all of a sudden it goes, that's, that's what happened. But I remember the moment my foot went down and it hit something soft that was not the sidewalk, and it was above the sidewalk. And at that moment, this person, I was stepping on this person. I felt terrible about it. In that moment, he reacted like I think most people would react, and he grabbed me. He just, he just like grabbed my leg. Well, I would probably do the same thing too. I don't know. But, but then that caused me to tumble. I went straight down onto this knee. As soon as, and I slid too, and as soon as I hit, this, uh, hit the, the sidewalk with this knee, I heard a crack and I thought, okay, I, I broke something. I, I just know I broke something. I could hear it. I could feel the crack. And, and what happened is, is actually my patella, which I found out later, I, my patella was literally split in half. So I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have this excruciating pain. I won't be able to get up. But, and then at this point, the guy's wanting to fight me. And, and I was like, okay, listen, listen, we're, we're, not, we're not having a fight. At that point, I didn't want to give in that I, that I was po- possibly crippled here. I didn't know. But I didn't want to let him know that. I just said, we're not going to fight. That's all right. Uh, and, and I looked at him. I was like, okay. I kind of looked. I said, you're 
you're not from around here. Because I, rec- you know, you kind of get to know the people around here. So you're not from around here, are you? He said, no. I, well, uh, you, you need to be moving on. He goes, well, I want to stay here. I said, no, you're gonna, you need to leave. You, you, you need to go. And, and I, I, I just, so I just finally made it into the building. And I got it in, got in there. There was already somebody in there. And, and they looked at me, and I was bloodied up. And, and, uh, and they said, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know, I think. And, uh, and I was like, I just, I, I think I messed up my knee, but otherwise I've got blood on me. Whatever. I've got a group meeting. So, so they got me some stuff. I kind of cleaned up. I propped my leg up. I did my group and just sat there. So I ended up sitting there for an hour and a half, two hours. After all of that time, I was ready to go thinking I'm just going to get up and walk to my car. And all of a sudden I realized I could not walk, walk. that my leg was, wasn't going to work. So, so I was basically kind of helped over to the car. I could drive, you know, I could use this. this thank, thank goodness I didn't have a standard transmission. You know, I had to do a clutch. That could be fun. Some of y'all don't know what a clutch is, but uh, it, it's thing like when you have three pedals instead of two, like real old-fashioned cars, you know, or, or cool cars that, you know, okay, forget it. Just forget it, just forget it. So, so I had this, uh, I was able to, you know, to drive. I just had to keep this other leg just sitting there, and I drove myself to a doctor and called that, and from there called my wife and said, hey, I, I met the doctor. Uh, I think I messed up my knee. And so sure enough, and I was thrown into this, this, and this whole thing of, of, uh, of getting your knee repaired and getting, uh, getting it healed back up and all that. And still, but still to this day, I suffer from the effects of the darkness. I'm suffering from the effects of just walking around in the darkness. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, that day, the man who was there wasn't my enemy. And uh, the, what, what my enemy was that day, my enemy was the darkness. And because of the darkness, my knee is still messed up today. I was pretty overwhelmed with all that. But some of you, you're, you're overwhelmed with the darkness that you're walking through right now. Uh, maybe it's sickness or disease, heartbreak, Betrayal, loneliness, maybe it's false accusations, emotional trauma. It could be, like I described, a physical injury. It could be an addiction or maybe abandonment, possibly unemployment or underemployment, maybe shattered hope, um, a divorce, financial crisis. Maybe it's just flat-out failure or the loss of a loved one. I mean, darkness hits us right between the eyes, especially when we just don't want it and we're not ready for it. But that's life, and it messes up our plans, and sometimes it just kind of messes up the trajectory of your life. And you know this, though. Life is not all exhilarating and exciting. I mean, I, I wish, personally, that I could avoid all dark nights and all dark valleys. I wish I could avoid all of that, but that's part of our journey. It's part of our real-life journey. But I want to say this very clearly. You're not alone in your darkness. Just like I was that day, I was not alone in my darkness. I just couldn't see. I couldn't see. The darkness was there. You know, one of the most interesting characters in the Bible, I used to, I've always just been riveted by his story. A lot of people don't like to read his story because there's so much, it's, it's ancient Hebrew poetry and all that, but, but it's a story of Job. And in, that, in the book of Job, in the 41 chapters of Job, you see a man who was, he, he, it was a man who in one day, basically, his whole life spiraled into darkness. He lost his business. He lost his 
children, his family, they all perished. He lost his health and he lost his marriage. He lost his, he even lost his reputation in the community. In Job chapter 30, verse 26, Job writes these words. Listen, it says, when I expected good, evil came. How many of you have been there? When I waited for light, darkness came. I am seething within and I cannot rest. Days of misery confront me. I go about mourning without comfort. I stand up in the assembly and I cry out for help. How many of you can relate to that? Some of you right now, and you can, or you can definitely say, yeah, I have been there. I have been there. And it's good to know you're not the first person to go there. Job experienced this as well. And, you know, a, a question that, that rises up sometimes is like, where are you, God? Where are you in the middle of this darkness? And, and again, remember, you just can't see. But where are you, God? And, and another question is like, what, are, what am I fighting against? It's just, it's just dark. It's just darkness everywhere. But I want to remind you of what Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says. It says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means it's not against people. It's against these demonic forces that are in different categories here. Our struggle is against rulers and against uh, the, the powers, against the worldly, world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. See, this is a reminder, again, people are not our enemy. The circumstances that you're going through of the darkness, it's not your enemy. It's the wicked forces of darkness that you're struggling against. And it's really, it's, it's the demonic forces of the spirit of hell. And, um, and, and I'll just be clear with you. I'm, I'm, I will not pull any punches. Satan has an agenda for your life. It is to steal, it is to kill, and it is to destroy. He wants to overwhelm your life with darkness. And he wants you to, to, to feel so discouraged that you're going to give in, that you're going to give up, that you're going to even throw in the towel on your faith. And some people who, who give their lives to Christ think, well, everything's going to be perfect and fine for me right now. Well, please understand, we live in a fallen world. And and I don't want you to reject Christ because you feel like or because some other preacher may have said, now everything's going to be all right. You're going to be just fine. And you aren't going to have any more problems in life because that's not true. And, and to be honest with you, you'll be hard-pressed to find any preacher who's going to tell you that kind of nonsense. It's, it's life. This is not a perfect world. But I want you to get this truth right here. <laughs> this is good. If you get anything today, get this. Jesus endured and overcame the darkest darkness. And he did that so that you can endure and overcome your darkest darkness. I want to say it again. Jesus endured and overcame the darkest darkness so that you can overcome, endure and overcome your darkest darkness. You see, the story of the crucifixion is, is what I consider to be the most riveting story in Scripture. Really, really it is. It's the heart of the gospel. It was, it's horrible, and it's wonderful all at the same time. Uh, and, and, and what was happening is, you, you guys, most of you know, Jesus was unjustly nailed to a cross, which was the Roman tool of execution for capital punishment. 
And uh, it was a devastating day. It was a, it was a devastating time, but it was also, there was also God's power and God's resurrection that was working behind the scenes on it. Now I want you to go ahead and, and get your Bible open to Matthew 27, 45, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, what's happening here is this is right after Jesus' phony trial a few hours earlier uh, within the, that happened in the middle of the night. And then right after Jesus' phony trial, everything escalated and he found himself literally hours later carrying this cross uh, in Jerusalem to a place called Golgotha, which is known as, which in, in English, it would be the place of the skull, uh, Death Mountain, basically. It was, it was this, this cliff where, that overlooked the city. And, and, and the and so Jesus was nailed to that cross. The sun had hit high noon. It was, it was 12 noon. And that's where we pick up the story in Matthew 27, 45. It says, now from the sixth hour, which is noon, sixth hour of the day, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. So that's noon to 3 p.m. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. I'm going to stop right there. See, this three-hour window of darkness, I, I, knew it was, I knew it was something that was very essential to the story because I found it not only in Matthew, but it's also talked about in the book of Mark, and it's also talked about in the book of Luke. Three different places that talk about this thick darkness that happened there at the, when Jesus was on the cross, right at noon, all of a sudden the sunlight went out. And, uh, and the, the, it affected everyone. It impacted everyone. It was unavoidable to know something is going on. In fact, so you, you have the three different biblical authors that are writing about it there, but it was even prophesied in the Old Testament. So let's look at what the Old Testament said about this. And in Amos chapter 8, you can look there on your own later, but, but the darkness was prophesied in Amos 8, 9, and 10. And the prophet said this, the, he prophesied that the sun would go down at noon and the earth would be in the dark when it was, it was immediately after there was broad daylight. He said that, that festivals would be turned into mourning and, and it would be a very, very bitter, ugly day. It would, and, and it was so bitter that in that darkness, Jesus was gasping for breath and he cried out in these words in English, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And those, those words right there that Jesus said from the cross, some of his very last words, those are actually the first words of Psalm 22. You see, at that time, they didn't have the Psalms numbered. The first line of a Psalm was essentially its title. So as Jesus said this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The people who were familiar with the Hebrew scriptures around them, which would have been the Jews that were there, not the Romans, but the Jews that were there, they would have heard this. They would have heard, look up Psalm 22. That's, what, that's what's going on here. And when you do, you can look that up later. When you do look up Psalm 22, you're going to find that, that uh, these words are, are, are deeply impactful because you see these prophesied feelings and these prophesied emotions and, and, and even physical pain that Jesus was going through while hanging on the cross. Again, prophesied hundreds of years earlier. And it, it was brutal. Uh, the darkness was so overwhelming, and you can even feel that darkness when you read Psalm, uh, Psalm 22. Now, I know Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? But I, I want you guys to know God the Father really did not 
forsake Jesus. But what was happening is Jesus' emotions and his spirit and his body were just in immense great pain like we can't understand during that time of darkness. And so what was was going on here is that, that all of the sin that had been committed from the beginning of time plus the sin that was being committed at that time, plus the sin that would be committed in the future, all the way up through now, Jesus was taking all of that sin upon him. It was placed upon him. And, uh, and, and w- what happens is when that sin was placed upon him, he was not rejected by God, but he was banished from the presence of God. You see, because sin cannot exist in God's presence. So please understand, it was a dark, dark, dark day. I, I examined that word darkness in the Old Testament from its original language. And, the, and darkness has this language. It has this definition. It means misery. <laughs> it means destruction, death, sorrow, or wickedness. So some of you feel that. You know some of you are there right now. It's like, yeah, that's kind of like where I am right now. Well, please know is that, that at the time of day, at that time of day when it was noon, the sun was highest in the sky, that's when it became dark. It said darkness came over the land. So it was, it was a physical darkness. It was a spiritual darkness as well, but it was also misery. It was destruction. Of course, it was death. It was sorrow. It was also wickedness as the sin was laid upon Jesus. And I believe what happened here was a completely supernatural event. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a sign. It was, it was actually what I would call the miracle of darkness. Now, I know there are some people who say, well, I think the darkness was just an eclipse. You're going to explain the end. God does use natural phenomenon from time to time to, to say what he wants to say. But I in no way believe this was an eclipse. I believe that to be entirely impossible. You see, it was Passover. And at the Jewish feast of Passover, it's always held at full moon. And so when there's a full moon, the moon can't be in front of the sun. You understand that? An eclipse of the sun is impossible. So it was a physical darkness. And as you look at that definition, you can also see it's a spiritual and emotional darkness as well. In fact, it's interesting because I started looking at one of some some of the uh, ancient historians from that time and all the way up to about 100 to 150 years later, some of the ancient historians who were not even in the area of Jerusalem record a bizarre darkness. In fact, it's even said that it was across the Roman Empire. It hit Rome itself that for three hours it was just pitch black right around that time. It's interesting to see how, how, uh, how history, histor- secular historians who didn't even know about Jesus, didn't even know about this, recorded this, this supernatural phenomenon. And uh, one, in fact, it was interesting because one of these uh, historians said that it was so dark that people could see the, the stars. It was like the darkest night. And, uh, and of course, I already talked about what the prophet Amos said, but the prophet Amos literally said that the darkness would cover the whole earth. And so, again, that's what's prophesied. And I know in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it says that darkness was over the whole land, but they, they don't, that, don't, that doesn't necessarily mean Jerusalem. That word land is a G-E, which is where we get our word geography, which just means it was, it was just, there was darkness all over the geography. So, I, I, I started digging into this and I started looking for, okay, what's, what's here? What's the deeper message? Uh, because 
why are you going to get so much talk about the darkness in the Bible, but I can't really grasp why did this happen? I'll be candid with you. Before I even got to this sermon, before I even, God even dropped it into my heart to do this sermon, I've, I've, I've just always kind of breezed past that. Like, okay, it was dark. That was weird. It was dark. Okay, whatever. Let's, let's move on. And in my research, I'll just say I started getting a little frustrated because I felt my research going nowhere. So what I wanted to do is I, I took the word darkness. I want to see what everything in the Bible has to say about darkness. So I literally read every scripture in the Bible that talks about darkness. What does this mean? Why is it here? And, and then I, as I was in the book of Exodus, it started hitting me. Well, duh, <laughs> duh, that's me, duh, it's the Passover. Now, you may not be jumping up and down and getting excited about that, but that all of a sudden made sense because what happened during those three hours of darkness is a direct parallel of something that had happened hundreds of years earlier as God was about to deliver his people from slavery and bondage. See, the, 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 uh, the Jewish uh, celebration of the Passover is a celebration of something that happened immediately prior to their deliverance from Egypt. Let me explain. With Passover, Passover is actually a seven-day celebration. But at the very beginning of it, the night before, they have something that they call the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's a Jewish tradition. If any of you, some of you may know about those Jewish traditions, but they, they have the Feast of Unleavened Bread the night before at, when it becomes dark. So that's, that's basically the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is, which is there's not supposed to be any leaven. Leaven is like ye, is yeast, you know? So which means there, there's to be no sin. Yeast always represents sin. And, and so what happens is, is Jesus and his disciples, though, they were celebrating the Feast of Unleavened unleavened bread right then and right there as uh, they were actually celebrating this event that had happened years and years and years earlier in Egypt. And, And that's when it struck me. You know, they were doing this the night before Jesus would be crucified. See, the Old Testament is filled with uh, types and shadows. Now, to show you what this is, in Egypt, during the ninth plague, it was the ninth plague that came on Egypt, you know, there were 10 plagues, there was a period of darkness for three days. And, and it, the scripture said that it was in such an intense darkness that the darkness could literally be felt. Uh, it's described as like a thick darkness. People could not even see each other. There was no light. Again, that was another miraculous thing that happened because for, people couldn't even create light. So for some reason, they couldn't even light lamps. But it says there could be lights in the homes of the Jews, which is a really cool thing. But it was totally, totally dark, a pitch black for three days. All right? But also, for three hours, it was totally pitch black, and I believe around the world from noon until three. Darkness was everywhere. So there's the beginning of that parallel. That's when I said, duh, it's the Passover. You see, in Egypt, what was happening is when that darkness hit, God was judging the sin of Pharaoh. And in Jerusalem, God was judging the sin that was put upon Jesus. In fact, Jesus became sin for us on the cross. Now, Centuries earlier, back in Egypt, immediately after the three days of darkness was the final incident. So there's three days of darkness. Final incident was the 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn. And, and, and so what happened there is the firstborn son in every household died that night. 
And the only way to avoid the death of the firstborn is you had to have the blood of a lamb on your doorposts. Well, centuries later, in Jerusalem at the crucifixion, Jesus then, right after the darkness, he, God's one and only son, God's firstborn child was on the cross at the moment the darkness lifted and Jesus' blood was there shed for our sins, becoming the perfect lamb of God. And and so the Passover is this perfect type and shadow of the sacrifice of Jesus. So then you had, again, the three days of darkness in Egypt before the death of the firstborn, there's a three hours of darkness that was, that was there at the cross prior to Jesus' death, the death of God's firstborn son. I even looked up the word three, and, and it's interesting because it, the, the word three actually has three different meanings. Of course, it means three, well, which would be four, but it, has, it means three, like one, two, three. But it also speaks of harmony, new life, and completeness. And boy, my spirit leapt when I saw new life. There's new life after the three There's new life after that three hours of darkness. Now, it didn't feel like that at that time. But you have to also understand is that Jesus Christ rode from the dead on the what? The third day. Now, I want you to see this. God wants to bring new life to you. If you're in darkness right now, I want you to believe that. I want you to believe that, that that new life is on the other side of that darkness that you're in. And Jesus is the one who brings that new life. In fact, the Christian celebration of Easter, Resurrection Sunday, it's the celebration of new life. That's one of the reasons why, why we do little, little illustrations and the children will be learning this as well, like with the little Easter eggs. And, 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 and you say, okay, it's just nonsense and fun. Well, it's fun, but it's not nonsense because the, kids, the children are gonna learn about how new life comes out of the egg and that, that is representative of, uh, of what Jesus Christ did for us. And so now now that you're beginning to understand new life comes after the darkness, Jesus is going to help you move through that dark darkness. I want you to get this point, get it clear, get it in your hearts and mind is that Jesus endured and overcame that darkness, the darkest darkness, so that you can endure and overcome your darkest darkness. And I want you, I want you to trans transform that just from notes on paper or just data in your head. I want you now to begin to get that into your heart. I want you to have an an authentic spiritual embrace of this principle right here because Jesus endured the cross. He endured the darkness. He endured the darkest darkness ever. And he was 100% human, just like you and me. So Jesus felt what we feel. He didn't use the power of God to overcome all of that. No, what he did is he submitted himself to God during that time. And Jesus was overcome with that darkest darkness, but he overcame it as well. And because Jesus overcame the darkest darkness, again, you can overcome the darkest darkness, not just endure it, but overcome it. And darkness may also represent your own sin. And I want you to know that today is a day you can overcome that sin as well. And I'm going to tell you how in just a minute. You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. Paul wrote these words. He said, he made him, so God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So that is the love of Christ Jesus for us. 
God put the sin of the world on Jesus. He became sin in that time of darkest darkness. And he did that so that you can be free from sin. And he also did that so that you can overcome your own darkness. I love it because in the book of Job, Job also says this about the darkness. I like this. It says, I am not destroyed by darkness, nor by the deep gloom which covers me. And you don't have to be destroyed by your darkness either. That darkness, that deep gloom, it can be shattered because it's a new day. There is new life. There is victory on the other side of your darkness. And that darkness will not destroy you because of Jesus. See, God's presence exists in the deepest darkness. And you're not alone in your darkness. You might feel weak. You might feel defeated. But David said this. He said, for you are, for you light my lamp, all right? The Lord God illumines my darkness. And, and I love, he goes on further with this. This is where it gets really fun. For by you, I can run at a troop of warriors, and by my God, I can leap over a wall. And some of you need to put this scripture to memory because, because God is with you in the darkness. God's gonna lead you out of the darkness. But it also says here that he will, it, what that means is that he's going to strengthen you. He's going to make you feel robust again. He's going to empower you so that you can do great exploits. Psalm 112 says this. It says, light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, he is compassionate, and he is righteous. The darkness does not have to control you any longer. And no matter what you're going through, remember, God is present. God is active. He's not abandoned you. The miracles that happened at Calvary tell us that God is in control. But I want you to remember there are two types of darkness. One is the darkness of, of sin. But sin was defeated by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Sin is erased through the blood of Jesus. And second are what I call dark seasons. That's when you're just dealing with mental, emotional, even physical darkness. It's common for us to say today when you're feeling that, it's like I'm just in a really dark place right now. You know what I'm talking about. But that can be defeated by the light of Jesus. You have a God who's present and active where you are. So get this truth into your heart. Jesus endured and overcame the darkest darkness so that you can endure and overcome your darkest darkness. I like for there to be no moving around right now. I'm just asking everyone in this room to open your open your heart to the ministry of Christ right now. First of all, darkness can represent wickedness and sin, like what that definition even means. And please know this, if there is sin in your life, Jesus can take that sin away. He wants to forgive it. He wants to make you a new creation. And if you're not sure about your eternal destiny you've not given your life to Christ and you know that sin is ruling in your life and you want to be able to overcome it just like Jesus overcame the darkness you want that darkness to be overcome in your life I'm going to ask you to pray with me we're going to pray together you're going to receive Christ the Holy Spirit comes in and He washed, Jesus washes you by the blood of the Lamb so if that's you this morning and 
you need Jesus, just with nobody looking around right now, just be in your personal place of reflection and prayer. Um, that's you. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand when I count to three so I can see your hand. I want to connect my faith with your hand. And then we'll pray together. And miracles will happen in this room. Darkness will be lifted over your life. In fact, I've, I've talked to people before who prayed this prayer. And, and, uh, and many have just said, I just feel like I can breathe again. I feel like I can see again. It feels like a huge, heavy load is off my shoulders. And that's what God wants to do miraculously to take you out of the darkness of sin. So if that's you, lift your hands at the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up so I can see it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thanks. Put your hands down. Okay, with you lifted your hand, I want you to pray with me, okay? I want you to pray these words, and I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart. And then we're going we're gonna to pray some more. We're going to worship just a little bit more because God's not finished here yet. But I want you to pray this prayer with me. Congregation, will you pray it as well with those who lifted their hands? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin and wash me in your precious blood. Today I make the choice to walk out of darkness the darkness of sin and to walk into your glorious light so forgive my sin because today I'm turning I'm going in a different direction and I'm going to serve Jesus and I'm going to live for the Lord in Jesus name Amen Thank God Thank God Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.